When you know what you want for the future, you need the present to line up with your goals. UCF Online offers more than 100 fully online programs in healthcare, engineering, criminal justice, and more. So you can get to your future and beyond. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I am Tom Cavanaugh. And I am Kelvin Thompson. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hello, Kelvin. Hey, Tom. I'm glad to know I'm in the right place. <laughs> Me too. Although we are both in different places. So due to circumstance, we are both uh, doing this remotely again. But, you know, we persevere and, um, again, never let a... Uh, uh, a podcast listener down. That's right. We're in. I'm in the right virtual place. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's a thing too. now. I think virtual virtual place. That's a weird concept. Yeah. I think. Yes. Yes. It's like right. headspace. I'm in the right yeah. headspace. Headcanon. I like headcanon. That's a good one too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so I see you sipping. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, just as a reminder to our listeners, this is a collegial conversation among colleagues over a shared cup of coffee and mm-hmm. the, the coffee thing is our thing um, and mostly your thing so um, because we're it's separate a shared, it's, a, it's a shared cup of coffee it's a thing. so cup. yeah yeah that's true so I do have a cup but it's Good. a different cup and a different contents than what you have and yours I presume are thematically selected uh, if if you are true to form we try so, we try <laughs> what about yours what you got uh, I'll share my very loose thematic association Mm -hmm. when we're done. Mm -hmm. Okay. Leave us hanging in little suspense. All right, that's fine. Uh, Well, my coffee today, Tom, is a single-origin Kenya from a coffee roaster called Regalia Coffee in New York City. And I do love that name. I always like that word, even, Regalia. Uh, I found a comment from the co-founder of the roasting company emphasizing the regal aspect of regalia. Now, those of us in higher ed, of course, undoubtedly think of academic robes and accoutrement when we hear the word, but regalia's founder was inspired by a coffee farmer, I think it was in Guatemala, who saw coffee beans as jewels and treasures of the earth. That was like his inspiration is metaphor, and so this founder loved that, and so regalia. And so I came across this coffee roaster due to an awareness campaign raising money for the roaster when, sadly, their facilities burned down there in uh, New York. Regalia also housed equipment used by 30 other coffee businesses. It was like a coffee cooperative along with being their um, workplace. So the coffee community is rallying in response to the disruptive event, and uh, if our listeners are compassionately moved by that story, they can certainly find opportunities to help in the show notes for this episode. My coffee tastes good to me. Uh, I am curious if you can find a connection to today's episode, and I can't wait to hear your coffee in connection. Yeah, you you can wait, trust me. <laughs> um, all right, so... Um, that's, that's an interesting story, and sorry to hear about their troubles. Um, so you said something about the community rallying. Mm-hmm. That stuck out to me, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm guessing that there's something to do with, you know, kind of this, this shared 
challenge, the shared mm-hmm. crisis mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they're having. Because mm-hmm. yep. I think those two things um, are germane to our conversation today a little bit. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. That plus, I just like saying the word regalia, and uh, it makes me think of graduation with the robes and the hoods and stoles and all that stuff. So I figured that despite the jewels and treasures of the earth, there's some <laughs> invocation of, of uh, pomp and circumstance in there. But yes, that's exactly right. What you got? Yeah, all right, so maybe I should just say what we're talking about today, which is kind of, again, we've talked about this before, but this is a, a slightly different take on it, this idea of the great resignation and mm-hmm. what is, uh, what's going on in the, in the ed tech, higher ed work space, like as far as employment space mm-hmm. goes. So um, <laughs> I, I was looking for something new to replace okay. what I typically have, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I didn't find it. So oh. <laughs> I ended up hiring an old standby, which is my uh, San Francisco Bay decaf. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I thought I would have a new hire, but I kept, I was able to retain what my, what my existing <laughs> incumbent was. Yeah. Okay. I I, yeah. I, I follow that. I, I see. I see what you did there. Although, I'm stretching it, stretching it far. Although I was following that narrative thread, I was like, "Oh, Tom branched out. He got yeah. some other kind of new coffee." And no, he did not. Okay. Yeah. Well, I looked in the pantry, and I was like, "Nope. I've had all of these before." <laughs> it actually involves shopping. Yeah. <laughs> to to replenish, yeah. uh, which is maybe a, you know, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to get what you've keep getting. <laughs> Yeah, well, a, guy, a man knows what he likes. <laughs> That's also true, and I, I respect mm-hmm. that. I, I, I go to places often, you know, where I look at the menu dutifully every single time and end up at the same destination. Yeah, yep, I do that <laughs> so, too. So I yeah. do that. Um, so as you say, uh, this is a, a kind of a springboard off of an offshoot of that, uh, maybe that episode 109 um, topic where we addressed... Uh, sort of the impact, potential impact on online higher ed by the so-called great resignation or some say great reshuffling, great reprioritization. But we were inspired because we had a listener who wrote in um, and they said, as an experienced instructional designer who recently started exploring the job market again, um, they, they wanted to have a a response from us to uh, how to make sense of the higher education instructional design job market explicitly. So, yeah, we're taking a shot at it. So, and perhaps they'd like to come to Orlando and work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, there, there you, you go. go. Well, I'll just self-serving side comments. That's right, that's so, right. <laughs> uh, so to that end, Kelvin, you recently interviewed our friend Megan Raymond. Megan is the senior director of membership and programs at WCET, which is, I always describe it as an acronym within an acronym. It, it is. is the Witchy Cooperative <laughs> for Educational Technologies. Uh, and like many of our professional associations that we belong to, and we do belong to WCET, mm-hmm. uh, they provide a job posting service for their members. And uh, we have posted jobs there many mm-hmm. times. And so you both spoke a lot about trends uh, in these job postings um, for, for all kinds of digital learning professionals, including instructional designers, as, mm-hmm. our, as our listener kind of pointed out, but not just instructional designers. I, I look at those postings all the time just to kind of get yep. a sense, yep. not for me personally, but for what's going on in the space, Thank you. right? Thank you for clarifying that. I yeah. appreciate, we, all, we all appreciate <laughs> 
that. We can yeah. all breathe a little easier. Uh, yeah, agreed. Uh, all, all that, yeah. So is there uh, anything you want to point out before we, we listen to your interview with Megan? I don't think so. I think it stands on its own fine. I enjoyed speaking with Megan and, uh, as you said, valued colleague. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let it stand on its own and we'll maybe make some comments on the backside. Awesome. So through the magic of podcast time travel, here is your interview with Megan Raymond. Hi, Megan. Glad you're with us on TopCast today. Hi, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Even if even if here is separated by thousands of miles, but we feel so close because we're looking through the virtual digital window at each other. Right, right. Well, you know, you and I were talking not too long ago about um, one of the things that your organization, WCET, does, like some professional associations do, is you all will distribute, uh, promote, uh, job postings from the from the field, and um, we were talking about this recently. That you know, there there are folks who are interested in kind of what's happening, right? What what kind of what observations are there to make in our digital teaching and learning field, our online education uh, professionals, and so forth? And so we were just talking. Maybe maybe we'll have a little on mic conversation about that. So so thanks for being willing to. Um, uh, you know, to have that conversation. Absolutely, thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, as, as you know, we do select job, uh, job posts from our members and we share those out so it's a great member benefit so people can see what jobs are out there and what jobs are emerging and instructional designer seems to be the hot ticket item, at least from what we're seeing, if anybody has an instructional design certificate or credential, they could easily find a job immediately and, and make some pretty nice demands around that. I don't know what you're seeing, what yeah, positions you have available. That's a good place to maybe to, to, to start right there. I mean, I certainly I certainly hear word on the street, things like, like that, you know. And so I was going to ask what kind of patterns you've seen, but maybe we'll start there. So of all the things that get posted, you certainly see instructional designer or I would imagine related similar uh, kind of titles uh, as sort of the predominant uh, thing right now? Right, that seems to be where the most demand is, instructional design, learning experience designer, and the job descriptions are becoming uh, more robust with certain uh, perks and benefits associated with those. So we're seeing more that are remote-based, some that are specific to the institution needing to be place-based, but more and more, I, I would say fewer qualifications, more perks than the job descriptions around instructional nope. design and learner, learner design. That That is a little bit of framing right there, right? <laughs> so say that fewer qualifications, more perks. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, so that seems to be where I'm seeing most of the demand. And I know, you know, rural institutions are really struggling with recruiting instructional designers. So that's where the the allure of a remote position is uh, very appealing for both the institution that's hiring and trying to fill those positions as well as the worker. But I think we talked about this too, is if you are looking to be a remote employee, there's also a lot of corporate opportunities. So that might be much more appealing because the, the pay could be more competitive, the benefits could be more competitive, the 
job security might be more competitive in a corporate environment versus at an institution. So yeah. that's the yeah. flip side of the coin. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing uh, for institutions that whether it's instructional designer or any other kind of position um, on on this topic, I'll ask. Are you seeing for institutions that aren't doing remote? Are you seeing them selling themselves in some other way to try to, like you said, perks while ago? I mean, other than remote, what kind of things are you seeing? Yeah, I just saw a really interesting post from an, an institution where they're hiring for two face-to-face positions and the incentive was that you could choose which of the locations you wanted to be in so you have to be physically there Mm -hmm. but you had the choice of two pretty nice locales Hmm. so i thought that was an interesting framing too is Mm -hmm. apply and then let's see where you want to be situated um and i think you know learner benefits like access to course content or uh, certificates or degrees is also really a nice benefit that's being offered mm-hmm. um, I, you know, and, and that makes sense for higher ed right like we should be offering that come to our institution mm-hmm. and and up level your knowledge and, and your certificates um, and speaking of credentials and certificates there's more and more around micro credentials and I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out Maybe you know, but I don't know where that's being situated at the institution. So for some, the momentum is coming from faculty. From some, it's coming from administration. Some, it's coming from um, like the, the career center. So that's something that I'm trying to keep my eye on, too, is there is this momentum toward micro-credentials and initiatives within an institution, but where is that going to end up living? Mm-hmm. Because right now it's just sort of ad hoc and mm-hmm. tacked on to that category of uh, other duties as assigned, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think those initiatives do sometimes vary uh, within institutions, but I am curious. So when you say you're seeing more micro-credentials, do you mean uh, positions that are too work in support of micro-credentials or mm-hmm. in terms of those qualifications people are like hey if you've got a if you've got a micro-credential in instructional design we would take you i mean or do you, or do you see both those things that's a really good point of, of clarification and i think it's it's interesting because in higher ed we are all about uh, starting these micro-credential initiatives and then we aren't really as quick to reflect that we will take that as a certificate or a credential when we're looking for employees and maybe that tide is starting to shift a little bit but mm-hmm. i think from what i'm seeing is there's more institutions that are really interested in taking on micro credential initiatives and a few reasons it's, it's a compelling revenue source if you can make it work right yeah. mm-hmm. i never understood why we said hey high five here's your diploma maybe we'll ask you for money in a few years when they're already <laughs> invested in our organization they yeah. see the value of the institution and we already have a relationship with them why don't we keep kind of saying hey Mm -hmm. here's something that matches with your degree Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. it's a it's a bonus on top of it so reinvest and we'll reinvest in you um so that's the kind of thing i'm seeing Mm -hmm. is that more institutions really want to investigate and start the process of launching their micro-credential program because they do see that value Mm -hmm. But I think it'll be a little while before we really start to see that reflected across mm-hmm. institutional job descriptions. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, that's 
that's quite possible and that way you know higher ed institutions uh have a a bit of a conservative bent it seems like to me uh even the most innovative right like we're going to stand up stuff but well no you you need to have uh, uh seven degrees and uh and uh, 50 years of experience you know? <laughs> like, right right <laughs> you know? although i was curious to circle back around you said earlier that um you thought you were seeing more perks listed, but fewer qualifications. Like, what comes to your mind when you when you say fewer qualifications? Just uh, uh, like like a undergraduate degree versus a master's, or a master's versus yeah, well, a. Yeah, it it seemed before that there was a long list of skills and qualifications. Mm-hmm. Like you needed to understand all these different um, systems and processes associated with whatever the requirements were. And now it tends to be broader. Like, do you have an instructional design certificate? <laughs> and do you understand Addy? Do you understand <laughs> XYZ? And show sure. me some evidence of, of the work that you've done. Um, so the, the qualifications, I think, are getting shorter. Mm-hmm. The expectation is still broad. And mm-hmm. um, also, I'm starting to see more and more where it says, if you don't match all of these qualifications, still apply uh-huh. and show where your experience translates. And I think that's that's something that we've talked about for a long time is that everyone has transferable experience. Mm-hmm. We need to help them understand how to articulate that. But now it's actually being pushed out there saying, it's okay if you don't check all of these boxes, but show us what experience you have that translates. And I, I think that's exciting and refreshing. Yeah, that is very interesting, uh, I think. Uh, it reminds me of the early days. You know, I was hired as an instructional designer in 1998. Um, and at that time, in those first few years, maybe maybe five years or so, we certainly saw a lot of hires at our institution and others where folks who maybe came out of K-12 systems or, um, uh, but then had a bent toward, you know, instructional technology, educational technology, or um, other college contexts as instructors, but had a bent toward instructional technology, educational technology, there was sort of a pivot, right? And it's exactly that point you're making about the transferable skills. And I think in many of the intervening years, we've seen sort of the rise of the kind of the professionalism, professionalization of um, those titles and the, of the field, the subfield of, say, instructional design, instructional technologist. And so, you know, sometimes I've, I've heard people talk about, oh, if you're not an exact match, well, then, you know, uh, see, you, have a nice day. But, but you're seeing a trend of like, no, 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 don't walk away. Talk mm-hmm. to us. You know, talk to us. We'll be happy to talk to you. Yeah, and I think that just really opens up the the market for those that are hiring and those that are on the other side. And I think, you know, there's pros and cons to being remote and face to face. And we go back and forth all the time about you know, what what seems to make the most sense for our team. But I think when you really can look at a global marketplace when you're hiring for somebody, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. You're not limited, especially in rural areas, to those that are willing and can afford to live in your your small town. So I think there's tremendous opportunity, but there's Mm -hmm. also a lot of caveats. Any other any other patterns? Can I pick your brain a little bit? Your experience there as we uh, begin to wrap up. Any other maybe kind of uh, you know quick 
insights, like other unusual positions. You mentioned instructional designer and similar, uh, but any other kind of experience, uh, sorry, uh, any other kind of positions that you've seen uh, pop up and um, and any any other creative framing of like, hey, we can't offer remote, but we'll offer you more money or... You yeah. Know, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I did, I was thinking about that today is it, it wasn't too long ago that we saw this research that said the best way to have a productive team is to just get rid of all the office walls and just have an open space where people can collaborate. And then everyone invested in that and thought, well, this actually is kind of counterproductive because everyone's working in a fishbowl. So up went the walls and now the walls are often the walls of your home or your home office. So I think it's just really interesting to see where these trends in the workplace being place-based, quote unquote, really are going to end up. And I think there there is a lot to be said for the culture and the team and what your priorities are. So if your true value is maintaining an office building that you own, then it is important to have people filling those office spaces. Mm -hmm. If your priority is to have a very workforce that has different experience and uh, lives in different regions and they're the best people for the job and it doesn't matter where they're seated, that could be different too. But then you also have to be available for whoever your constituents are, right? So I, I don't know what the answer is, but I think it's really interesting to try and see what the trends are and what's going to stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's always that's always the, the challenge, right? We don't always uh, predict the future all that well, but it's certainly uh, a good show to watch. You know, kind of watch how things play out and make the best decisions we can along yeah. the way. Hey, listen, I, I really appreciate you joining us today. Um, it's been great having you here. Any any parting uh, words, insights, or nuggets before we go? Just thank you so much, Calvin. It's always great to chat with you, and I'm glad I had this opportunity. And wherever you end up working or wherever your staff ends up being, you know, I hope we just always keep in mind that it really is the people that matter, mm-hmm. and we have to stay connected some way, somehow, and things like this really make that happen. So thanks for facilitating these conversations. So, Kelvin, that was your interview with Megan Raymond. I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I did, I did uh, in real time, and I, I do listening back to it now. Yeah, thank you, Megan. Yeah, we appreciate her coming on the show. So, um, you know, a couple of interesting things that, that she said and that you and I kind of reflected on before we hit record, but one of them was that um, she, she made a comment about the the job perks increasing while the qualifications were decreasing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, as a person who hires other people, I had to <laughs> scratch my head out that one and go, woof, that's, that's definitely got, got my attention. <laughs> yeah. So looking yeah. at our perks, and obviously we only have so much control over our perks because we're a big mm-hmm. giant state institution and they are mm-hmm. what they are, uh, we can control schedule flexibility perhaps and maybe even salary a little bit but otherwise you know tuition benefits and stuff are going to be what they are for everybody yeah and you know i think as as she hinted uh at not all of those perks are necessarily 
financial. tangible, financial, yeah. anything else, right? It's just like, what, what can the institution possibly do to sell itself to the yeah. employee in an, an employee market? And uh, some of that is ground that we've uh, trod previously in uh, back in that episode 109, things like, you know, you, you sell the, the compelling vision, the mission, uh, maybe even historically, uh, for public institutions especially, some degree of stability. I, I don't know if that, if that remains, uh, to some extent perhaps, um, the education benefits. Uh, I think she even, I'm pretty sure I remember um, that she said something along these lines that, uh, you know, even talking about the, the team that you're hiring into, yes. right? Like, yeah. that, that matters. It does, yeah. And I think she touched on remote work, which is mm -hmm. kind of at the top of mind for a lot of people now. And, um, you know, I but thought it was interesting. Even ahead. the geographic location. Yeah. So that got my attention, too, because you may recall every time we kind of make a, a posting and I try to amplify it on social media through my channels, I always remind people that... Um, it's pretty awesome here in Orlando in February. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So even though we're working a hybrid schedule, um, yeah, if you when you do come in, the weather's not bad. Now I'm not saying nope. anything about August, but mm -mm. February's awesome in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. But as you say, uh, just like it's difficult to compete with potential employers outside of higher education on salary, it's also, for many of us, maybe not all of us in higher ed, but for many of us, it's also hard to compete on that 100% remote thing. It is um, for a lot of schools, um, you know, institutions of higher ed, be just because they're grounded in a place and a community that there's usually some expectation to at least be present part of the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that's changing, and some schools are being a little more aggressive about that than others, but even so, like a lot of state schools, you still have to live in that state, right? Mm -hmm. You can't necessarily commute from some other <laughs> jurisdiction. So even then, it, it becomes uh, a, bit of a, a bit of a challenge. But, um, but you know, I, people are doing what they're what they can do, and um, you know, I, I keep reflecting back. Yesterday, as you know, uh, we were visited by our president and uh, some other uh, key leaders of the university, kind of on an annual uh, get to know everybody, check in with all the mm -hmm. colleges and divisions. And yesterday was our day, mm -hmm. and. It came up, obviously, there, we've got a new strategic plan and one of the big things in that is to make this a, kind of a destination, not just for students, but for employees, mm -hmm. uh, faculty and staff. And how do we do that? And mm -hmm. it, he touched on a lot of these same things. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, talk about the mission, talk about the kind mm -hmm. of work that you do, talk about the people you're gonna do it with and just make this a great place to work. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's a, that's a big piece of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it definitely definitely sounded familiar when he was uh, saying that yesterday. Um, just to maybe comment on this a, a little bit, uh, within that sort of employee market and higher perks, lower qualification, we talked about this a little bit in the interview, but I'm fascinated, uh, maybe, maybe very obviously, by this concept of maybe you hire more for capacity and potential and demonstrated ability to learn quickly and come up to speed and um, relevant transferable skills that aren't necessarily, 
you know, the exact title and, and all that. Uh, that's fascinating. I, I've been around long enough to remember that it was more like that 20 plus years ago. And then we've hit a period where it was like, hmm, do we count the experience if you didn't have exactly the same title? I've been right. in conversations where people yeah. ask that question. Uh, so maybe yeah. that's a different era again. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting conversation because it's sort of philosophical about kind of HR and recruiting and mm -hmm. talent acquisition. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's sort of like I like to think about it as the draft, you know, like the NFL or NBA draft. It's like, do you take, do you, do you draft based on positional need? We need a point guard. Or do you draft based on, like, who's the best player on the board? And let's just get the best player and then we'll kind of shape our system around the, the talent that we, that we have. And, you know, teams have won doing both. You know, you gotta, you gotta figure it out what works for you. Um, I don't know what the right answer is for that, but, but I think the bottom line is hiring is definitely more art than science. And, huh. you know, yeah. how many search committees have you been on or where you've been the hiring official and somebody's got a resume that's just like, wow, this person's awesome and you interview them and you're like, ooh, no thank you, you know? <laughs> or somebody else where you're like, I'm not sure how this person quite made the cut for this interview and you interview them and you're blown away. And you're like, wow, yeah, yeah that's a person, right? So yep. it's, sometimes it's yep. hard to tell or even if you hire somebody and then after six months you realize, ooh, it's not working out or this person's way better than I thought they were gonna be. I'm yeah, so right. pleased, right? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's so hard, it really yeah. is. No, I totally agree with that. Um, one other tangential thing, which I, I don't think that Megan and I address squarely, but I think it is an implication from this conversation, is um, the potential opportunity, <laughs> opportunity uh, in quotes perhaps, for institutions to make use of external service providers in order to get some of the talent functions that we've been talking about, instructional designers or other related digital learning professionals, outsourcing, if you want to call it that, or some kind of partnership or, or something. I, um, I, I think that's a disruptive, you know, kind of different way of thinking for many of our institutions, though. Yeah, and we know that there are definitely, you know, firms that that can provide that service. Now, obviously, you're going to pay more than you yep. would if you hired them yourselves. But um, there are advantages. The advantages being you can you can staff up quickly without mm -hmm. having to do that kind of a search, mm -hmm. you know, by hiring contractors, basically. Um, but I, I don't see that as a long-term solution for sustainable operations. I could see that getting started or mm -hmm. for a time-limited need where you just needed to add capacity for a project or something that you're working on. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I kind of feel like we're we're in a point right now in, in some of our areas, mostly in like the application development area where we're, we're having a hard time recruiting just to be completely transparent because yep. uh, we're competing with industry and, it, and directly directly yeah. and it's such a it's such there's such high demand for those IT and developer positions right now that um, you know it's just tough and you know we, we have had some internal conversations about like well does it make sense to bring in contractors just until we can get permanent people hired because mm -hmm. the work has got to get done and we're gonna have to evaluate that whether or not it's something we want to do so I, I do think it's a it's maybe an arrow in the quiver 
but mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the it's the full solution, especially for schools like ours. It may be an arrow in the quiver, but it certainly isn't a magic bullet. <laughs> Ooh, all right. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the signal that we should start to bring this sucker in for a landing. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. It was just yeah. it was just it was just right there. I just it was just right there. Uh, shall I take a a swing at uh, at wrapping this up then, please? All right. So we might say that the online higher education job market continues to be disrupted. Institutions vary greatly in the packages of compensation and perquisites. That's what, that's what perk stands for, after all. The compensation and perquisites that they can offer to instructional designers and other online education professionals. Discernment by job seekers and creativity by employers will both be needed to make the best hiring matches. Agreed? Agreed. Yeah, it's true. Oh, that's what we're trying to do <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. All right, so will you indulge me a plug before Please. we before we put a bow on it? So <laughs> as, as you know, Kelvin, podcast listening can be a solitary pursuit, but it doesn't have to be. So just like recommending a book or a movie or your favorite Netflix show <laughs> to a friend and then kind of chatting about it together can be fun and social, would you, dear listener, consider sharing a favorite episode of TopCast with some of your colleagues. We actually hear anecdotes all the time of people mm-hmm. that, that do that. You might mm-hmm. uh, offer to have a conversation afterwards and compare your reactions, maybe over a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Most of the listening apps that we uh, distribute through have a share option, or you can you know, just copy-paste an episode link from our website, which is at topcast.online.ucf.edu. Again, mm-hmm. topcast.online.ucf.edu. So, yeah, you know, th- make this uh, communal and social, mm-hmm. and we would love to hear your feedback if you do that um, and, and how it went. We've actually heard stories of, of people who use it in professional development for faculty, yeah. that, like mm-hmm. assign an episode, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool, like, hey, listen mm-hmm. to this. And, um, so, you know, if, if you find that useful, let us know. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. So, Kelvin, um, I would say thank you for the coffee, but I brought it myself. Thank, thank you for bringing your own coffee, Tom. <laughs> All right. Until next time, for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya. See ya.